Welcome to the talk shop. It's Bernie and Chimdi. So nice, nice, everyone, nice. W- welcome, welcome to another episode of Talk Shop. You can tell just how excited we are. Uh, I'm Bernie. <laughs> Chindi, say hi. What's up? What's up? What's up? You guys can tell we're excited. This is the first guest we've had in a long time. I know long everyone, time. you know, we we've been in and out with our schedule, but we've been wanting to have this particular guest. Uh, how 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 should I introduce this person? So, firstly, guys, this is Dr. Gray. Okay. Yeah. The Dr. Dr. Gray. Gray. Not the like, one you've seen on Stevie for like 10, yeah, 20 years. Yeah. Not the one that's just, that's just leaving the show. Like this is, this is the <laughs> Dr. Gray. <laughs> uh, this is uh, Aima Giwamu. Who, I don't, I don't, I, do you Gray. now go by Gray? Like have you, have you made that transition? Or like... Oh yeah. 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 No, I changed my name. Um, so I am officially Dr. Gray. You know, it was funny. Before I changed my name, I never got like any Christmas cards from my patients. I never got any like comments at the front door of like, oh, Dr. Gray, what's this lovely? Like, I never got anything. Like, and then I was like, oh my gosh, like everyone else is doing so well. I'm like, I'm just a terrible doctor. I don't know. I changed my name literally like a month later. Floods of Christmas cards from my patients. All these comments. Oh, I only want to see Dr. Gray. I'm like, oh, you just couldn't say my name. My name, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, typically what happens. I know. Well, that's interesting, though, because your name is not hard to say. Oh, your name it was really not isn't. hard It really yeah. isn't. If you make the effort. Right? It's consonant vowel, consonant vowel. Like, it could not have been easier. Even if you said Jiwa Amu, I would I would take it. Like, something. And then they see my <laughs> first name, and they're like, Amililo? Amil-. I'm like, no. Like, it's easy. Ima. Like, when they ask me, okay. how do you say your name? Ima. Like, I'm a doctor. Get it? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly, it's very easy. I don't know. It um, it's at least Bernie never had issues like that. It's easy to say Bernie with you and just be done with it. It'll, sh- it'll shock yeah. you, bro. It'll shock you, bro. Like, like, <laughs> I, I've had, I, I've had. So people who I've had telemarketers call me and be like, "Can I speak to Mister Urch?" I'm like, "Where do you find the R in that?" You know, and and I've had uh uh. Like when I was younger, I left right after I left. Like Loyola, I went to like British school just to interview or whatever, and they were like, "Mr. Oosh? I'm like, "Come on, guys, come on, like help me here." So like you'd be shocked, man. <laughs> but Chimdi, did you, yeah. do, does anyone have trouble with your first name? Well, of course, every time. So so first of all, we didn't know this. I didn't even know it. My birth certificate says Chimudi. So if you see it, it says. C-H-I-M-U-D-I. It's the same name, essentially. Well, I don't know. People just add the U sometimes. So that's what everyone called me in college. So it was Chimudi, Chimney, you know, different iterations. I just got used to it. It was whatever. Um, even my last name, it was hard to say that. But I mean, at this point, whatever you call me is what you call me. If you're close enough to me, you figure it out and you call me the right name. So... It's fine. For the first time, I actually kind of insist. Like, they're like, oh, no, no, however you pronounce it. I'm like, no. Like, the question I ask, and it's probably annoying, but the question I ask, I'm like, how does your mother say your name? That's how I want to say your name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that's important. I, I think that's the way it should be. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. 
Um, so I know this is you guys' show, but I was actually thinking about this. You each have very distinct, like there's one very distinct memory of each of you in my heads from LJC. Okay. Oh, really? I'll start with, right. in chronological order, I'll start with Bernie. I'm so scared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I'm not scared. <laughs> it's wild. I-, I think of you as such a gentleman. Okay. Yeah. I'm, you- I'm- I don't, I don't remember. Okay, go on. I'm curious. I'm curious. So I had gotten not like full detention, but I had to clear a table and it was in Loyola. And this was in JS1. This was first year. Um, and I go over and I don't know that I knew you very well or you knew me very well, but whatever it was, I think I was clearing a table, either your own table or near your table. And I get over there and you had already started helping. And I don't know why I got so bothered by a boy being nice to me. I got I got really angry about it for some reason. And like, really? <laughs> I have no idea why, but I just got really angry about a boy being nice to me. The other thing that you said, and I think someone told me that you said it, and again, I don't know why it bothered me, because it was a genuine compliment. And I know you're not creepy, so I know it was a genuine compliment. <laughs> but you were saying something to someone, you had said something about, um, you were like, Ima, and they were like, who? And you said in your accent, oh, the drop dead gorgeous one. <laughs> <laughs> I can see Bernie saying that in this one for sure. I had for never sure. in my life been called pretty, let alone, You're gorgeous, kidding. Let alone drop dead gorgeous. Mm, my life was over at that point. Okay, firstly, firstly, like, everyone needs to understand, well, we'll, th- we'll get this later, but this girl modeled, okay? Like, not at that time, obviously, but, like, like you, don't, you don't model at 11, I'd be concerned, <laughs> but, like, let's, let's, let's set the stage here, and, like, no, let's I, really, I, really I was scrawny, I looked unwell, like, it was, it was not, I don't know where you found, like, to be fair, we all did, foresight, man, but, like, we all did. Um, those memories are burned in my brain. Like, of I can see it. Every time I think of Bernie, I always, that's what I can see. Those two. And then yeah, this one goes a little bit more maybe philosophical. I don't know how you and I got talking about heaven and hell and um, purgatory and what happens after you die. Mm-hmm. And I think this was an SS1. So we would have been sometime between JS3 and SS1, probably SS1. And you said, because I was saying how, you know, fear of doing the wrong thing and ending up like in hell and how terrifying that is and all of that. And you said, listen, of everything that we're told, we're always told God loves us and God created us and God loves us. Would you throw something that you created and you liked away and burn it when you loved it that much? I was like, no. And you were like, okay, so I don't think God created us to throw us away, even if we did wrong things. So I don't think you go to hell if you do the wrong thing. That's deep. That's that's a uh, a a thinking kid. I don't know. I said that's crazy. I said that. (laughs) (laughs) That's the one that sticks in my mind about you. Um, But sorry, this is your show, so let me let me give you back your. uh... No, that was that was good. that that was good, but I th- I think before we get any further, I think we I'd love it if you introduced yourself because mm-hmm. I'm gonna say a bunch of stuff and like everyone's, everyone's gonna be like, well, of course he thought she was dropped that gorgeous, of course he said that, <laughs> but like so yeah, you introduce yourself and then we'll 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 get into the rest of it. 
Okay. Um, my name is Ima. I'm Alohi. Um, I was born Giwa Amu. I am married and my married name is Gray. Um, I am a very loving sister. I am a kooky wife. I am a dog owner. <laughs> I am, as of today, a homeowner. Um, I hope I'm a very good friend. Uh, I am also a doctor. Um, I hope I'm a very caring, um, compassionate caregiver as well. Um, I, the where are you from question, when I get that from patients, it's a very hard one to uh, answer in just one go. So I always answer it as I was born in Atlanta, I was raised in Nigeria, and I finished out high school and medical school in Ireland before spinning around the Mediterranean for a little while and then moving to New York to be your doctor, because um, that's usually where I get <laughs> that question. Um, nice. My hobbies range from, I'm kind of obsessed with Pokemon Go at the moment, which is really, really bad, um, to archery, to clay pigeon shooting, um, so really honestly just sitting on my ass and watching TV and reading a book. <laughs> um I have questions. You have yeah. questions. Okay. What is clay pigeon shooting? What you say clay pigeon shooting? What is clay that? Clay pigeon shooting. Yeah. Uh so with a shotgun, um, and you load a shotgun with um birdshot pretty much. If you're, mm -hmm. if you're really good, you can use slugs. But um yeah, you load uh with birdshot and then you have these, I don't know exactly what they're called, but um these little things that are set up to shoot uh, the clay pigeon, it's just like, it looks like a saucer kind of uh, made of clay. Yeah. And so it yeah. shoots it off and you aim and you shoot it. Mm. Yeah. It's like, um, it's like a contraption that slings it out into the air and you shoot it out there. Yep, exactly. For you to have a target to shoot at. Awesome. Nice, nice, awesome. Nice. Uh, but yeah, that was a very comprehensive introduction. Thank you. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, I know you wanted to respond that we are on mute, so it's very annoying. This is going to be annoying, but just bear with it. <laughs> bear with it. Um, but yeah, I did have a question. So, are you? Is, is it? Um, is it? Um, the um, the app, the Pokemon Go, is still that's still on? Yeah. So it's just continuous, and you just you know once in a while pop it out and just look for them. On mute now. I mean, you say once in a while, it's it's a problem. Like, I, I, I need help. Like, it's, I don't want to say it's first thing in the morning, but I definitely know, like, where all my Pokestops are. And I definitely know, like, okay, I need to be this close to this building in order to, yeah, it's it's a problem. Um, I'm Interesting. caught in the double digits <laughs> of Pokemon today. It's, it's honestly a problem. But um, nice. I'm actually, it's really the only reason... Pokemon is what keeps me updating my Nintendo systems, so I keep getting the most updated Pokemon uh, Nintendo systems, so I can keep playing the most up-to-date Pokemon games. That's that's really it. Nice. So, yeah, it was actually from nice. time like I. So I remember in LJC, someone for his privacy, I won't name names, asked me out, and part of the mm -hmm. sweetening of the deal was he had smuggled his Game Boy into school and I could play Pokemon with him. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll date you for your Game Boy. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I do remember you playing games or being interested in games back in school. So that that still stuck with me. But that's that's interesting. I, I would like to expose this person, but I know it would be mean of the first of us I, to do that. I, I, I can say it was not me at not on the Game Boy. So, like, <laughs> you know. My whole thing stopped that drop that gorgeous one, you know. That's, that's, where, that, that's where that ends. 
Um, Interesting. Just just because we, we 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 sort of leaned into LJC a little bit, so we've had a lot of guests from our school. I think people understand that concept now. They think that we're annoying people whenever we get together. The rest of the world thinks we're really annoying and really snobbish. I don't know where they get that from, but whatever. I kind of do, but it's all good. Um, what was your? Because you left shortly after I did, I think. Um, what, what was your? How would you sum up your your experience at Loyola Jesuit College, the the local jail for children, as we we <laughs> as we called it? Oh my goodness! How would I sum up my experience? Um, traumatizing. That's that's really the word I would put on it. Trauma. Um, it was it was the school. It was the environment. It was. Honestly, I think being ripped away from my parents before, I don't know, maybe I talked too much, before I'd ever like gotten to really form a bond um, with them as much as I should have, um, it was being thrust into a place where I don't think anyone really got me. I think there's like a handful of people maybe that did. And at that age, if you don't get something, then you're going to... I don't know, villainize it or something. Um, Push it aside, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think there was a lot of that. I can't say I was innocent of it either. If I didn't get someone, I probably did the same thing too. Um, So it was the school, it was the environment, it was being away from, you know, what should have been nurturing. Um, And it was, I was bullied. (laughs) So it was that too. Um, So yeah, it was all of that. At the same time though, like there were bonds and things that we made like with the few people that really just were my folks that were my people. Um, those bonds are like lifelong. Um, and I feel like even with the people, like I can't say that through LJC, I was like close, close to either of you, but I would never think of either of you as anything other than my friends and like my good friends. I feel like, I don't know what I think of as close. I don't, I don't know. So yeah, there was that. There was the beauty of like actually making lifelong, you know, from 11 years old, lifelong friendships. Um, there's the beauty of like, maybe a shared trauma that we all have. And that's kind of, you know, we're bonded together by that. Um, and then you grow up as well. Like you grow up fast. Um, so there are things that like, you know, Bernie, you did this. Um, Chimdi, no, you were there to less us three, but like Bernie, you left. I was never afraid of being away from home. I was never, I, I never had any fear of like, oh, I'm going to be homesick. I don't think I've ever experienced homesickness in my life after LJC. Um, so yeah, there's a growth, there's a maturity, there's just a sense of, I don't know, you feel like you can conquer anything. Um, like people always say like, you know, of New York City, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Nah, man, it's LJC. If you can make it in LJC, you can make it anywhere. Like, <laughs> I agree with that. I, I like what you said about the, homesickness because when I left and then I went like to Oman with my parents and then to day school it was weird being at home all the time like it was it was really strange to me like I had my first year was a bit traumatic I would say that got past that a little bit my brother was was very traumatic for him (laughs) but like we both of us were like this home thing is kind of weird like seeing my parents all the time was kind of weird and I think it affected our relationship a little bit in that you, it almost created a bit more of a distance because now I'm like, you're here. Like, you know, there's no, there's no separation in this. Whereas in our Loyola, we got home and it was like, Oh mom and dad. Yeah. Let me tell you all this stuff and whatever. It's like, no, 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 you're here all the time. This is very odd. 
But I got to university, I didn't call, like, my parents would call me, I never called them. And other people's parents were like, they were talking every day, even though they were like, you know, Greek or Pakistani or whatever. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> I don't understand this. So I understand where you're coming from with that. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I definitely think I agree with that. Like we, we, first of all, the sense of independence and just being thrust into somewhere where like the concept of boarding school is traumatizing. Honestly, we, we if you, relativ, relatively speaking, we had it good compared to other Nigerian kids that grew up in the same system, but still we had the same shock of going away from home, of being bullied, like you said. And that's, I want to touch on that later a little bit, just a little bit, because... I find everyone's experience in that regard different and you can't always call that this person felt that way back then, or, you know, from what you see and stuff, but I, I it, it makes sense. And then the bonds you form just from, like you said, the shared trauma, the shared struggle, the shared accomplishments, because we can't just talk about it like it's just all doom and gloom. To be honest, we had a lot of fun just doing random shit together. Um, I, the one memory I always have with Bernie and Uzoma and Ovina and people in our was just one Christmas holiday in the darkness, singing random new albums that came out, rapping all night, singing Craig David, singing 50 Cent. It was fun. It was honestly, it was in the dark, just sitting down on our bed, just singing. So, you know, just things like that. You grow up with people and you just like remember things like that. Those are, those are the bonds we had. So it wasn't all bad, but um, yeah, it's lifelong. Like you said, you know, we weren't all close. There's many people we can meet today and sit down for hours like we were close back then, but we weren't, but there's a shared connection. And I feel like we have that with anyone. This is kind of why people don't like our school or how we behave. Because I don't know what it is, but we have this camaraderie that once you were done and left and saw life, I think even people, depends, some people have grudges with people that bullied them. But um, there's some seniors you would see, and now you're in a safe play, playing, level playing field, and they understand that and respect you, and we are able to kind of move past that. Most people I, I know that had traumatizing issues have found one way or the other to apologize to each other and move on and just, you know, become adults that went to the same school and know the same people and become cool on that end. So I just find it interesting, you know, the things that bring us together as, as a group. And it, I, I think it, in some ways it's, it's beautiful. I can see how it can be traumatized. This girl left the lights on. My daughter, sorry. Um... But yeah, I think it's it's um it's beautiful in some sense. But yeah, we all like you said, we all shared some kind of trauma that, you know, lasts with us but also made us very independent. Like you said, I don't I I've never felt uncomfortable being away from home of my parents or not talking to family for a while. It may sound bad, but every time we talk, it's an occasion and we cherish it. You know? Um but I can also stay couple weeks without speaking to my siblings for instance my parent my mom i talk to her all the time that's different but like my siblings i can stay a couple weeks and not talk to them but it doesn't mean that next couple weeks when we talk it's not an occasion you know so yeah it's it's just interesting that we all share that one common thing i think in general yeah i 
I I I see that, and and I'm I think that like when, when you because you mentioned something earlier in your introduction that your kooky wife I think is what you said, and I'm thinking about it now, and I was like, if I remember what the meaning of this word is, like I feel like even in Loyola you were kooky, like and I think when you said that like people didn't get you, I think part of it was because you were a kooky person in like the best way possible, because I remember. I don't know if you remember this. But I remember, like, the year I was leaving SS1, me, you, and Anne, like, we, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would say, like, uh, close, but, like, you know, we got, we got along. And I was like, this girl's really kooky. Like, you would do some weird stuff. Like, you once sent me on this, um, I don't want to say scavenger hunt, but, like, it was a bit of a, it was kind of a scavenger hunt. I, I can't even describe it exactly and I was like I don't know why I'm even participating in this but okay cool whatever and but like I think some people are just very interesting in that way and like in a very good way but you're in this environment where it's like a lot of well it's it's a bit foreign right like 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 to that and I'm I felt that for myself you know so I can imagine how you felt that but I felt you carried yourself very well that like it didn't necessarily show but did you feel like you were you know hiding a lot of that and suppressing a lot of a lot of discomforts like during that time or um i think i think yes i probably was hiding or suppressing some discomfort i i don't think i really made much of an effort to hide myself <laughs> i think i just made an effort to hide my my uh maybe disappointment in people's reactions to me. Um, and so when you say like, I was weird. Yeah, I, I was, I was weird. I still am weird. <laughs> I like, people have stories of like, you know, you're like, Oh, I'm the drop dead gorgeous. No, people are like, Oh, I'm the one that catches frogs or I'm the one who you can call when there's a snake in the bathroom and you hear it's catching a Pringles. Yes. 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 Can we talk or about the frogs? The kept, I kept a chicken as a pet in the lockers when we were in SS1. Oh, shit, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, it was a chicken. And it was the weirdest thing because Queen was terrified of chickens. And I liked Queen and I wasn't trying to scare her, but she was terrified of chickens. And I was like, I don't want to get rid of my chicken. I like my chicken. So I kept the chicken as a pet. Um, I would make weird potions and concoctions with like ch- with Chima um, and Billy. Like it was, yeah, I was weird. I was. Um, and so I can't even be all that mad at people that they found me that weird. I guess I just, I don't know, maybe I was waiting for people who were just as weird as me. <laughs> and, and can, can we talk about that frog, weird. please? Because that frog, you just brought up a memory that I forgot. Because... <laughs> I remember this. It was one day, and, like, I don't even know how, but I remember it was during games. And it was one of those days where, like, I wasn't playing soccer, and I was just in, like, classroom block. And then you show up with someone else, I can't remember, and you've got this frog, and you put it, like, in, the, you know, those, like, dustbin basket or something like that. It was something that you used to, like, kind of contain it. And then a bunch of us were in the classroom. I don't know what, what why we were there. And then... All of a sudden, like, I kind of stop and I'm like, what is she doing with this frog? And then you have this uh, syringe. And I, I don't know if this is, like, if anyone listens to this, guy, we have grown up, like. Trigger, uh, we, trigger warning, you know, but it was innocent. Animal abuse, it was innocent. Like, whatever. Like, yeah, trust us. This was, she's a doctor, all in the name of biology. I remember you just filled it with water. 
and then you pump the frog with water, and the frog expands. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you know, you're describing it like it was a one-time thing i'm trying to remember which one of the times did i do this in front of you because i caught many frogs i i kept i kept some as pets i dissected some this is gonna sound very nerdy of me but like i liked to see how their muscles moved so i would dissect them i would cut off a limb i would take off i would deglove them essentially like take off the skin so that i could watch the muscles and like see how they moved with each other i remember mentioning that in my med school interview and the interviewer literally said to me I think we are doing society a favor by admitting you to medical school because it is become a doctor or a serial killer. <laughs> and I was like, ah. Ah. <laughs> "Wow!" I didn't know you actually went to the dissection point. I, I mean, I knew you you played with them a lot. We were in the same class. In fact, weren't three of us in SS one C C class? We were all in C class, right? Until we both left. Bernie, I thought you were in B. I was in whatever class Patrick Bassey was in, uh, and whatever class like Ketchy was in. So I wasn't in the same as Ketchy. Was Ketchy D? Because oh. I know she did like arts, right? I think I was in D. Class. D. Yeah, I was yeah, in D yeah. class. I was doing literature yeah. and all that stuff. We we were in C. Yeah, me, you, Usen, people. Yeah, that that. But yeah, I again, like she said which occasion are you talking about? Because I've seen several occasions in class with IML, with frogs. So, but I didn't know, I mean, how did you get stuff to dissect a frog in Loyola? I mean, what were you, I don't even want to know what you were using because that's probably going to sound bad. You know, I, I honestly, I couldn't tell you. I, I, I have absolutely no idea. I just remember vividly doing it. I remember one time, um, Prie had it was raining I think maybe she didn't see the frog or something but like she accidentally stepped on a frog and I think she felt really really bad about it and so to make her feel better I was like no 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 his body's going to science don't worry about it and I took it I think that was the first one that I dissected fair enough fair enough that's good but yeah I mean hey the doctor was right you have been curious about stuff like this as far as we all remember so it, it was your calling, essentially. You just started early and, you know, you followed it through. So it's good. At least you got to the right place. You know, like I said, you could have ended up <laughs> another way, you know. Let the records show that anytime I take a knife to anybody's skin, it is with full consent. They understand the risks, the benefits, the alternatives. <laughs> they understand fully. Awesome. Uh, you you mentioned briefly, and if you don't want to talk about it, it's cool. Uh, bullying like what maybe not who because i mean it doesn't even matter but sort of what 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 does that mean like you know what 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 would you say occurred or or and i guess i guess we're talking about this in the sense of so anyone listening can can see it understand it and then maybe do something about it um so i think it was i don't think i experienced bullying the same way um most people did or do in secondary school in nigeria it wasn't from seniors um And one could say that it was because my older siblings had been there, but like Femi left when I was in, uh, when we got into JS2, like Femi wasn't there anymore. So his friends were nice to me and, um, and, but he was weird too. So like his friends were weird as well. But um, Jenny, uh, my older sister, who you guys never met, um, but she, uh, her friends were nice to me as well. Um, So yeah, it wasn't like, um, 
I didn't get it from seniors. Honestly, I got it from the boys in our year. Um, that was that was it. Chimdi, you're laughing because you, yeah, you're both laughing because you know that's where it came from. So I got it from the boys in my year. Um, in our year, it was. It was relentless. It was awful. It was relentless. It was, I was labeled, um, as a snob. Um, I was labeled as, you know, I felt like I was better than everybody else. I, none of the boys in our year were ever nice to me. So I would talk to the boys in the senior years. And then that also became a thing of like, oh, okay, you're too good for anyone in our class. Like it was just, it was a lot. And I know now like they're, a lot of people who did this before who have said like on our group, like they're like, Oh, it's cause I had a crush on you. I'm like, really? Cause that's really freaking old. Like you made my life. I was miserable. The number, the number of times, like the things I contemplated just so it would end, it was horrible. And so outwardly I never showed, I was sad about it. Not sad that like, you know, people didn't like me. I was just sad that I couldn't get left the hell alone um, so that hurt, it hurt a lot, but I have a temper. So all anyone would see was I'm a getting angry. I literally remember one time the person who like bullied me, picked on me like the, the most, it was one particular year. Like it was just so, so bad. I won't say his name. Um, we get along fine now, but he, you probably both know exactly <laughs> who it is. Chimney, you're naughty cause you know, but I remember having this fight with him once and like, I was scrawny, like I wasn't going to fight anybody and he was bigger than me and he was coming up and like saying like he was going to slap me or whatever it was. And I had a stencil knife, which I'd probably used on dissection. So I had a stencil knife in one hand, a pair of scissors in the other. And I was like, okay, we're going to fight. One of us is going to bleed and I'm the one with the weapons. So let's go. And I was just like, wow, is this what it's come to? Like, I'm going to cut someone because he's bullying me. Um, but, you know, I laugh about it now. But honestly, the bullying, it was, like I said, it was every day it was relentless. It made me feel very, very alone um, when I was around people in our year. Um, I don't think the girls warmed to me much either in general. Um, you know, the girls in Xavier House were, they saw me all the time. So I guess maybe they got used to me. <laughs> um and I definitely had like very, very good friends in Xavier as well. But yeah, in general, like a lot of girls didn't really warm to me very, very much. Um, someone who did, and this is going to sound so, uh, so full of myself and I can hear it, but I'll just say it. You boys would do these stupid lists and it would be, oh, who's the finest girl in the set? And you guys- Them would- boys. Them boys. Chimdi and I did not engage in such in fact, awful behavior. Uh, very, very, very- moment but yeah uh-huh uh-huh just sit in that for a second but but so boys would be making these stupid lists and I would get uncomfortable because I'm there either like drawing I like to write books like at the time in LJC I would write books and poetry and all that so I'd be lost in like what I was doing and someone would call my name and I'd turn and they're like no 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 no, I'm as at the top No, no no and they'd start doing all these stupid things so after a while like I would get irritated by it and I would leave the class and I would leave and go and sit in the stairwell. And who else was sitting in the stairwell? Catchy. And I'm like, why did you leave the class? They're making one of those dumb lists again. <laughs> like, yeah. So I would sit in the stairwell with Catchy. So that's, that's I think, part of how like Catchy and I started talking at all. I was actually going to say, like, I think just what you're, I love what you're saying. Because I, in our younger years, I, I was close to Catchy. I will leave it at that. And um, 
So I knew kind of how she felt about similar things, um, which is weird because, like, I mean, again, we were the only excuse I can give for the guys is that they were young boys thinking that this was the best way to get attention in some way. And, um, yeah, that's the only thing I can think of. But, I mean, again, this is not something I think is particular to our school or anything. It's just young men in the midst of women able to communicate with them without any guidance. That's pretty much how I, I see it. Um, so yeah, I, I, am not surprised that that was the case, um, in terms of how two of you kind of initially bonded. Um, yeah, that's, that, that tracks, honestly, because when you were talking, I'm like, this sounds very familiar to what I, I believe she felt and went through also. So yeah, that's very interesting to hear. Sorry. I just had to, to say that. What's, what's interesting about that whole thing is that like, um, now that like I'm a dad, like you start to think about either things that you participated in, saw, or you know, were kind of even close to, and you're like, if my son ever does this type of shit, like you know what I mean? Like, like it's I, I, it's just so interesting to me that how like now I think about it very explicitly. Like if I ever hear this shit, like I'm going to kill you. (laughs) We're going to have a very big problem, but you know, it's, you can't really boys will be boys. Like boy it away. Like you can't really, you know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's kind of shameful, but like I said, you know, uh, I'll sit in my own, not all men. (laughs) No, because like part of the, it almost feels like it's part of a larger continuum of issues. Maybe it actually just even prepared me for, okay, this is life. Because how many times will a woman say like, okay, you only like me for what I look like, but when you actually live with me or find out who I am or what I am and all of that, you have no interest. So why are you doing this? Like, why are you, why are we playing this game? Why are we pretending that you're interested? That's kind of how it felt like, okay, I'm good enough for you to write lists about, but you don't actually want to hang out with me. You don't actually want to be my friend. You don't actually just want to not make me cry in the middle of class. Like, you know, it it was, but anyway, like you said, yes, it was young people um, feeling like that was the only way they could get some attention. Fine. We all did things for attention. I definitely did things for attention. I'm weird, but did I play up the weirdness sometimes? Hell yeah. Like it was, you know, we're all just away and trying to figure shit out. Um, but yeah, like um, like you said, a lot of us have figured out ways to move past and get over it. And you know, this was two decades ago, two whole decades ago. We're old, bro. When you say it like that, it's terrible. It is terrible. We are actually, yeah, terribly old. It's crazy. But anyways, um, but yeah, that makes sense. And you know, that's that's you know, growing up, I guess, and just, you know, how things were. Again, like I said, everyone has their own, and like this is a unique, you know, view uh, in terms of what they went through trauma-wise and bullying-wise in secondary school because, you know, you know, I, I had my own version of what, what happened to me. Um, again, like like you, kind of, I didn't have seniors bullying me much only because I kind of made friends with the right ones and always so protected, at least in my house, but there were a few mean other ones who it never really got that bad. They would just make one joke, which at that time I didn't like. 
And, um, but that was it. I generally, I got along with people. So whenever I hear people, that's kind of why I want to talk about some of these things because I like to see everyone else's perspective and understand it. And again, like Bernie said, you know, now that I'm looking at my, my kid, I'm like, okay, you're not going to go to boarding school, but I do know that high school anywhere is terrible. Generally, you know, it's, you rarely go to high school and come out of it without something, something, you know, there's always something in high school when you're especially teenagers is the is the worst phase. And I always expect something traumatizing to come out of that. Hopefully you can guide them to not feel too much or be able to deal with it or know what to, how to respond to things. But yeah, it's um, it's interesting to hear a different side of how people mm-hmm. feel coming out of, of high school. But yeah, thank you for, for sharing that essentially. It's, it's good to hear. Um, I also feel like, you know, finding not just your people and your like tribe or whatever, but like also finding your, um, your escape, like your way to remain sane and not lose your mind. Um, and for me, it really was escaping into like, I would write all kinds of like weird fantasy books. I would write poetry. Um, I couldn't draw, but if I could, like <laughs> I would be drawing. Lotana was an amazing artist. Um, and so I actually... I remember once, I don't know if she'll remember this, but I asked her to draw me something um, so that that could be the inspiration for a story that I would write. And she drew me this. It was amazing. If I was a good, I'm not saying I was a good writer. I just enjoyed writing. <laughs> but if I was a good writer, like, it, it, yeah, I was writing this thing that was supposed to be this epic. I would have been the next, um, you know, what's his name? George R. R. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think finding finding your your coping, your bliss, your, your escape, you know, something, something healthy. Cause if you don't find a healthy thing, an unhealthy thing will find you. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, if you I still have anything you want us to read, let us know. I was, I was literally <laughs> about to ask, like, do you actually have any of your old stuff you're writing? Maybe something you can build on in your adulthood? No, nothing. No, unfortunately not. Um, a lot of, I don't know if people knew this because this would have been a big bullying point, um, but a lot of what I wrote, I created my own alphabet and I wrote it in my own alphabet because I didn't want people to find it and tease me about it because anything that was related to Ima was teasable. So um, so I, I wrote my own language and I had them in all these notebooks um, and I had the notebooks, um, but when uh, my parents separated um, and so... Uh, long story short, my dad did weird things to our house. Um, and so all my notebooks and all that got destroyed, unfortunately. Oh, uh, that's interesting. Would you, do you remember your coded language? Do you still know it? If I try hard, it wasn't spoken. It was written. It was only written. So it was, it was basically like hieroglyphics, but, <laughs> oh, nice. but, um, but if I try, I can actually, and it was like a literally like letter for letter. I was so paranoid that someone would try to crack it that I would have three different versions of certain letters. The ones that were very common, like vowels, I would have like three different versions of, uh, of vowels so that if you were trying to find common words like V or A or things like that, you couldn't find the three, like T-H-E, all the time. Look at, look at your mind working like that. At what I age? Also throw in, I wouldn't write the letter A. I would put in UN, like, uh, like I would do it in like French so that it was never just a solitary letter because that would obviously be identifiable. That would be the first thing to crack. I wouldn't wow. put in V. I would put in Le or La. Um, 
Like there were a few things that I would just put in a different language so that they wouldn't be easily identifiable. And I wouldn't do it consistently in the same language each time. I just, man, paranoia runs deep. <laughs> on, like on that, I have this weird memory that you're like, I think you kept a diary or something. Did that leak? And And when I say leak, I mean like, did someone steal it? I have this memory, maybe it was you or someone else, that someone's journal was stolen and people could not really understand what they were reading. Like, I, I don't know if it was you or not, but I have this distinct memory. <laughs> I remember Xavier boys were talking about it, but like, does this ring a bell at all? Yes, it does. So it was probably mine. It was, okay. it was probably so. mine. And that was why I did that because they would steal my diary. <laughs> That was how things used to leak back in the day. Like, you know, someone to steal. And by the way, they stole everything from everything back then. Yep. Were, nothing was safe in your life. Like, yep. nothing at all was safe in your life. I remember uh, I smuggled Pringles once, and someone came and offered me my own Pringles that I smuggled. <laughs> that was definitely typical. That was definitely yeah. happening because people would steal from you, and then they would be eating it, and you would share with them. It's terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Like you said, if you don't find something good to channel, you find yourself being the master smuggler in in school, you know, things of that nature, being a bully, like a hardcore bully, you know, things like that. So, yeah. Interesting. I had a question. Um, If you can just run us through your your, um, kind of journey, because like you said, you've been everywhere touched everything in terms of living, studying, you know, it's an interesting path, you know, was it just by, um, by design or by circumstance that you were in Europe for your medical school and then decided to come to the East coast of of the United States to, uh, to actually practice, you know, it's just interesting how that works. Can you let us know how that worked for you? Yeah. um, So I, always wanted to be a doctor. I think from the moment I could pronounce gynecologist, I always wanted to be, I said, I wanted to be a gynecologist. I'm not a GYN right now because I do family, but I have a special interest in women's health. So um, I do enjoy gynecology, but I'm not a gynecologist. Um, So I always wanted to be a doctor. I never knew how that was going to happen because with everything that was going on in LJC, I don't know how I wasn't constantly on academic probation. I don't actually think I ever got on it once, which how, but (laughs) my academics were definitely not stellar because that wasn't what I was paying attention to in LJC. Um, But I still kept my dream. Um, My mom's family, when they were all, uh, when they were all teenagers, when they were all in secondary school, they actually all went to Ireland for, um, for their secondary school and some stayed for college as well. That's how my family had any connection with Ireland. Um, And so when I was in SS2, my older sister, I think she had just started med school and it was one of those things that like, oh, okay, I can see someone else is doing it. So maybe I can do it too. Like I can see there's a path. So I'm going to do this as well. Um, representation matters. So um, because my sister had gotten in and I was like, all right, sure. So I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to work towards. And then my brother got in as well. The year, actually the year that I left, my brother had just started as well. So I was like, okay, great. You know, two out of three so far who want to do medicine are doing it. I mean, at this point, if I don't have a failure, um, so that common pressure, obviously that we all put on ourselves. Um, yeah. so pressure was on. 
And somehow, you know, I, I did work hard, yes, but, you know, it's grace. It's unearned, unearned favor. Um, I got into the only medical school I applied to, the Royal College of Surgeons, um, which incidentally was the same one that my aunt and uncle, um, who are both doctors, they went to that as well. So there was some, uh, you know, family history to it as well. Um, so I did that. I enjoyed Ireland. I felt left out because most people were either in like London, like in England or in America somewhere. And I was, you know, often like quaint old Ireland, but, um, but no, it was fun. It was enjoyable. Um, then when I graduated from med school, when I graduated from RCSI, um, that year or the year before Ireland had started doing this weird thing where if you were not a European citizen, if you were not a citizen of any European country, then you pretty much were going to be put on a wait list. You weren't getting a job immediately, um, in medicine, which had never, ever happened before. Um, and so my school was like 70, 80% international. We were all terrified. Like, where are we going to go? We've worked so hard for these degrees for five or six years. And all of a sudden our degrees mean nothing. Um, so in the fear of like, okay, what are we going to do? Um, that year, like I started preparing and, um, just trying to find somewhere else to go. And this teeny tiny country population of 400,000 in the middle of the Mediterranean, Malta came over to my school and was like, okay, we hear Ireland is kind of giving away the doctors that they trained. Well, we need doctors. So come over. Um, so I interviewed with them. Um, I liked it. It, my work day was 7:30 AM to 2:30 PM. And by 3 p.m. after doing a full work day, I'm sipping Mai Tais on the beach and I'm fully employed. Like, it was great. Um, so, yeah, I moved over to Malta. Femi moved with me as well because he was in the same boat of needing to, you know, find employment since he wasn't European. Um, so we went to Malta, thoroughly enjoyed it for two years because um, that was how long the program was. And at that point, we both we're like, okay, you know, we've been in Europe this whole time. Like we're just going to be in Europe. You know, that's, that's, that was kind of as much as our dream went. This is familiar. This is where we're going to be. But my aunt and uncle who are doctors here in New York, my aunt, she put a lot of pressure on Femi and I. She's like, no, what are you doing in New York? No, no, no. It's here. You need to come here. Like your lives are going to expand. This is what you're going to do. This is the path. Let's do this. And we're just like the exams you have to do to become a doctor in America if you're not in the U.S. system, if you're not in the U.S. like school system, to do them from scratch on your own, oh my God, it is Everest. Like it is not, I was studying for these exams once and Femi was like, have you really started studying? I was like, yeah. He's like, no, 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 no. When you've started, I'll know. And one day I was walking beside this little river beside where I used to study. I was walking by the river and this feeling just came over me that, oh, just jump in the water. Then you won't have to take the exams. Just let the water take you. It'll be cold and nice. It'll be quick. Don't worry about it. And I called Femi. I was like, oh my God, I, I just had this feeling that needs to jump in the river. And he's like, now you've started studying. Like, mm. that's how hard they are. Um, yeah. So anyway, didn't think it could happen. But we're like, all right, Anstutu is insisting. Let's, let's make this happen. Let's do this. So we go over, she literally like would have us with her every single day. She's like, you're coming to my office with me. She would sit us in the back of her office with our books, our laptops, like our Q bank, all of that sit, you're doing this on your own. We didn't take any like courses or anything to do our steps. Um, like joke, like joke. We did everything. We passed, we interviewed, we got into our first choice programs. We were in the same program together. Um, and yeah, got into residency. Um, I completely skipped over actually what happened between Malta and starting residency. So while Anstuta was talking to us about like, this is the serious plan. This is exactly like what you're going to do with your life. 
I got another opportunity. Um, my cousin had done this job um, before. She'd done it like a couple of years before me. And she was like, hey, they're interviewing again. They're looking for someone to fill this spot. You should apply. I was like, all right, what's the job? She sends me the information on the job. I was like, okay, sure, I'll apply. This seems like a joke. Um, I applied. They liked me. They called me. I interviewed with them. And then I got offered the job. Um, and so while Ansutu is telling me, move to New York so you can study for your steps, I'm saying... I'm moving to New York to become a producer on the Dr. Oz show. Um, and then after that, I'll do my steps. <laughs> so, so that I, mean, I knew you were, I knew you were saving the punchline for that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, after Malta, I moved to New York city by myself, completely by myself. Um, that seemed like the biggest challenge after LJC to be moving to New York city on my own um, was, was a huge one. Um, so moved to New York City and started up on the Dr. Oz show as a medical producer, um, for which I won an Emmy. Thank you very much. Um, wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. So you're telling me that we have to go back in post and redo the intro to this thing to say Emmy Award winning Dr. Gray? I mean, I mean, maybe. <laughs> like, come on. Have a well, statue. Uh, Let me preface. I don't have a statue. I just have the certificate. But Yeah. <laughs> Um, Ladies still, and gentlemen, Emmy Award, win yeah, Emmy Award, Award winner, Dr. You know, he had me on the show a few times. Um, so when people are like, oh, Dr. Gray, but you don't just play one on TV. I'm like, but I did, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I didn't know that part. You're, very, you're humble enough not to let us know. But, you know. Weirdly, you I are... left it off my CV when I was applying to residency. I left it off my CV completely because I preferred to tell people in person than for them to just mm -hmm. read on the CV and get bored with it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you're definitely not like fully, fully Nigerian then because a, a real Nigerian would be like, ah, I have an Emmy. Why are you talking to me like this? Top, top of the list. <laughs> Why are you talking to me like this? I have an Emmy. Top of have, the list. You have. Do you have? <laughs> yeah, the Eden would be answering Dr. Mr. Emmy Award winning. <laughs> Everything. Oh man, that's amazing. Uh tell that's us good. like how was the experience? Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It was awesome. It was unreal. It was I mean, <laughs> looking at like, okay, I'm coming from being an LJC kid and all the trauma of that to I'm a producer on a TV show, on a syndicated TV show. This is amazing. Um day to day, it it I don't know. It, it was really great. So day to day, um, what our job was, was basically making sure everything on the show was medically sound, um, or at least not hurting anyone <laughs> when we gave advice on the show. Um, so what that looked like was, you know, our little office, we had the medical unit um, that was headed by uh, this one attending uh, physician. So we had our little unit um, and it was just, they were all medical students who had taken a year off. I was the only one who'd actually graduated um, as a doctor at that time. They've all since graduated, of course. Um, and so day to day we would there would be some kind of a meeting with like the other non-medical producers about, okay, this is what I want to say on the show. I want to talk about how lemons cure cancer or lemons can help you lose weight. And we would spend, you know, a few hours in the morning, like kind of deliberating, okay, how exactly do we get to say this and have this be um, legitimate? How do we um, make this actually relevant? What are the scientific studies? Like what are, what are the, where's the evidence like to actually back this up? Um, then we would need to like, if we needed to explain something in a way that people would understand, um, we had to like create animation. So we would work with the animations department. If we needed, um, 
uh, if we needed specimen, we would go to Columbia University to the anatomy department and we'd be like, I would like one heart, please. It needs to have this much fat. And they would show us like, okay, these are all the bodies and these are all the hearts. Does any of these look like decent to you? Yep. Okay. Here's the heart you can borrow. And we'd get our little heart and our little bucket of formaldehyde and we'd sit on the subway and ride back on the subway with our little heart until we got back to the studio um, or back wow. to the, back to the office. Um, so we would frequently just have a bucket of organs in the middle of our office. I don't know if I should be saying that. Um, but yeah. Um, so there was that, there was also like coming up with, um, like actually formulating the script, um, with the producers. Um, so we'd have, we'd be formulating the script. We would be, um, uh, yeah, there was a lot of that. The most fun really of the job I thought anyway, was actually uh, taping day or the days when we were in the studio. So um, the show goes in cycles. It's, if I'm remembering correctly, it's like three week, it's a three week cycle. So for three weeks, you're kind of prepping your shows that are going to tape in week four. Um, and then you go into the studio on your day. It starts very, very early. Starts off with a briefing, uh, briefing meeting. Um, the night before, two nights before, you need to have gotten in like your briefing note. So on your show, everything that ever needed any evidence, any like scientific evidence or anything, you need to like cite all of that, um, make a make a, a report essentially that goes to Dr. Oz. Um, and then he goes through it, he goes over it. And then the morning of the show, the morning of taping, um, you sit in with him and the other producers and the exec the other uh, executive producers on this meeting, and he's going through and any scientific questions or medical questions that he has because he's a cardiothoracic surgeon. He's not, um, you know, he's not general, so obviously he'll have questions about like other specialties. Um, then he'll shoot the questions to you if there's anything that needs to be changed or verified or whatever. Um, then you do all of that. Um, then you sit in your little office and you're live watching, uh, the show. And if there's anything that needs to be corrected on the fly or anything like that, or if he needs you to actually pop in like for a skit or for whatever, then, you know, you'll go do that as well. Um, then the next few days are spent, uh, kind of watching and like going over the transcript as you're watching the show and making sure that everything is matching up, uh, to, you know, everything was said as it was supposed to be. If there was anything that like a guest said that made no medical sense, that was going to be dangerous because we can't be giving false advice, then we can, uh, you know, we had the ability to take that out. We had the ability to like, you know, recut things in certain ways just to make sure that things were clear the way that we wanted the message to go out. Um, yeah. And then wash, rinse, repeat. Nice. Very detailed. Like, I, I think I'm always curious about how these things are, are done like you said, the, the four-week cycle makes sense because some people would think, and do you film like for an extended period or like in terms of like, so you do a four-week period before you film an episode and that all, you stack those up and then they air a couple months down the line, right? Is that what happens? Pretty much. But if there was something very timely, then we would get that out quickly. Um, so at the time when I was on the show, that was the uh, time period during which, um, Charlie Sheen was revealing to the world that he had HIV, um, and he was going to do that on our show. So that was one that went out really, really quickly. Um, it was probably like days after it was taped, it was released. Um, but yeah, generally it's like a couple weeks or a couple months. It really depends. Sometimes you'll do something and it never actually airs just cause you know, it didn't play well. Um, it's not trending anymore, things like that. So they really... They really do have to try to follow, follow trends, follow what, like, you know, what's, what's doing well, what's doing well on other people's mm -hmm. shows, what's doing well with ratings. Um, so there was a lot of that. Um, you probably have some curiosities about what Dr. Oz was like. Yeah. Like, 
yeah, especially like, in the current climate yeah, of, of yeah, things. Yeah. So you but know, before before we get to what he was like, I'm curious because you mentioned it like part of your job was to ensure accuracy, right? Um, uh, medical accuracy, so to say. There were, and I don't remember any of them, but I remember there were lots of accusations of him. Let me let me say promoting stuff through the show indirectly because you know he's supposed to just be talking about things, but some people say they're promoting things that turned out to be medically inaccurate. At least that, that's how I remember the the accusations. Do you remember those? And how did you get? And w- were you part of that at that time? And when? What do you remember about that environment? Or what do you know about that? that- so yes, you are absolutely correct. There were a lot of inaccuracies. There were a lot of um, you know for commercial gain. A lot of very weird, like the what was it? The um, I think it was like green coffee beans, or like there was all kinds of things um, that were just promoted for commercial gain and really no medical, no, no accuracy, no actual medical benefit, no scientific backing, like none of that, that all happened before my season. Um, so right before our season was actually the time when he got called in front of the Senate to answer for these inaccuracies and all of that. Um, and so after that, he was him and his producers and all of that, the whole show, they were very careful to try to stick to medical accuracy because he had just gotten in trouble, um, for it. Um, and so we had pretty much like a final, the medical unit got a final say on what went out. Um, and we were, that was actually the first year that they had this, uh, that the person who was in charge of the medical unit was a physician. Previously, it was a non-medical, non-scientific person. It was just a producer, a regular producer um, who was in charge. Um, and so we had, we were a lot more stringent um, on our season um towards the end of the season people started getting a little like loosey-goosey with their facts and all of that but like the med unit we were told to like you know remain stringent with uh what we're doing we couldn't just say like whatever the hell we wanted um that being said and i don't want this to come off as i'm defending dr oz but that being said i mentioned earlier he's a cardiothoracic surgeon um, and a lot of what he says and a lot of what he promotes is based off of the research and things that the medical unit gives to him. Um, and a lot of what the medical unit produces is based off of the pressure that they get from the non-medical producers. I can definitely speak to getting some of that um, pressure. I remember once uh, there was something about hyperacusis, about um, you know basically having very, very sensitive, extremely like pathologically sensitive ears. And this one medical producer said to, or this one non-medical producer said to me, I want everyone in America to think they have it. So I need you to tone down the severity of the symptoms because I want everyone to think they have it because it's going to send them to our website to click on the website. And I was like, I'm not going to gaslight people into thinking they have this symptom or this syndrome. You know, we're not, I can't do that, but that kind of pressure or nope, you know, I don't know black coffee or cold brew is trending right now. We need to talk about cold brew specifically how it helps with heart disease because, you know, so-and-so celebrity is talking about their mother's heart disease and like, they're going to be on the show. So we need to talk about how cold brew is going to cure their mom's heart disease. Like you're asking me to pull this out of my ass. We can't make this up. Yeah. So there's a lot of pressure for the med unit to just make it up. One of my friends, um, a really good friend of mine who was a producer on the show, he was asked one day, he was like, we need you to draw metabolism. Where does metabolism happen? Like draw the organ for metabolism. And he's like, 
I I don't know where to begin. And so he did find something and like printed it out or drew it out or whatever. And it was an A4 sheet of paper that was pretty much just black with all the scribbling and all that that was on it. And he's like, here's your explanation of metabolism. Enjoy. And she's looking at him like he has five heads, but hey, you asked me for crazy. I'm giving you crazy. Like, wh- what do you want me to do? Um, so yeah, there is a lot of pressure. Did that ever go her. out? Hmm? Did that go out? No. <laughs> no. No, she then asked him, okay, give me a, a, give me an animation of metabolism. And he's like, I don't think you're getting it. Like metabolism is, the lights are on. Like, how do you want me to explain this to you? Um, exactly. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of pressure and I mean, how else can I put it? This guy got, has a few million dollar homes to pay for. So he's, he follows the pressure. Um, but to be fair to him, he is a cardiothoracic surgeon and a lot of being this doctor on TV who's going to solve all of your problems means straying from your lane. If you keep straying from your lane, you're eventually going to wander into you're just making shit up. So sorry, I keep I keep cursing. I need to No, we no, we, we do that. That's free range. Um but did he ever participate in any of the research? Did you just look at it? and give to him and he just went on tv and said it it was no i was gonna say so you can see why before your season he could just say whatever and i i think that's a little bit why would i mean why would he i guess he doesn't have a time and he he's probably he was still practicing right a little bit so like i can see why time wise it would just be hard for him to look at it properly also with his own experience and make, you know, good calls sometimes, but yeah. Yeah. So if you're asking like, did he always do his due diligence or did he just rely on us, the medical unit? I, I will honestly say, no, I don't think he always did his due diligence. Um, there were a lot of times where it was really just what I had put down, what I had said in fairness to him. There were a few times where like he would have an insightful question. Um, but he wasn't doing a lot of this research and all that on his own. I mean, we, the amount of so in those cycles in those three weeks like i'm working on shows but there were three other medical producers and a dietitian as well and so we are all giving him all of these briefs we it was a lot of taping it was a lot of information it was a lot of topics it was a lot of shows he would pretty much be sitting and reading 24 7 in order for all of this to make sense to him He's a physician he's a he's a doctor who got good training um and so he does have a general knowledge of most of what we were talking about, but in depth about every single one of those things. And when we're citing like, you know, this figure, 14% of people who tried this thing or 27% of people lost 45% of their weight. Did he look up every single one of those? No. So it really was just relying on what we said. And remember, a bunch of us were medical students. So very poor, having a wonderful job and you're enjoying your life in the city you're going to do what it takes to keep your job. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious as to which episode were you on? I just, I want to, I want, I want to see it. Like, I want, I, I want to see it. The, do you remember what the episode was about or do we have to go and find it and then, and then tell you which like, we found it? Cause that's a goose chase 
<laughs> yeah, so I, I apparently sent you on a on a scavenger hunt before. I'll send you on another one. Um, I honestly don't remember exactly what number or what any of that, but I do remember one of them that I was on. Um, it was like a field shoot. I, I was on like quite a lot. Myself and uh, my friend Mike, we were on quite a bit that season. Um, but one of them was a field shoot uh, where we went to someone's house and we did all these like home tests on her for like, this is how you can tell if... Um, this is a home test that you can do on yourself to see if you should be worried about like cardiovascular disease. One of them was this lady had been on shark tank and um, she had this like homemade, like um, homemade antimicrobial, like cleaner of some sort. And so I was called up to the stage to like help her test it. We had this like little tester thing. So to help her test it like on stage um, or on camera and studio. Um, another one was uh, my Myself and my friend Mike, we went to, I can't remember where it was, in the middle of nowhere, and we were, I just remember we had, like, organs and hearts, and it was, like, in our first week or second, or not organs and hearts, we had hearts in, like, these clear, like, plexiglass boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no idea what it was for or why, but it was our first ever time, like, being on camera for the show, and it was just exciting. Um, so, no, I have no idea which ones I was on, but <laughs> that's them. What season was this? Because I'm I'm gonna probably over the next like couple months I'll find this thing, because and then post it in the group chat. Be like, hey guys, what's this? <laughs> I want to say, gosh, I can't. So much has happened. I can't even remember exactly what season number. I think I was season six. I was either season six or season seven, but it was airing uh, between 2015 and 2016. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is he still? Like, does he, like, I don't know. Is he, like, retired from the show? Is the show gone? Or does he, like... Best of my knowledge, the show is done. Um, to the best of my knowledge. Um, I, I feel like I can't talk about this and, you know, say, like, you know, he was lovely without giving any kind of, like, explanation. Because um, I won't even make any bones about it. I completely 1,000% disagree with his politics, with his with his stance on pretty much absolutely everything. Um, and as things go these days, you know, if, as things go these days, um, if you don't agree with someone on their politics very quickly, you start to like, I don't like this man. And I, you know, I dislike so-and-so. Um, but if I try to remove him on TV and all of that now from the person who I met, the person who I met was lovely. Absolutely lovely. Mm -hmm. Like he would come back from trips where um, I remember once he came back from Dubai or Abu Dhabi and Sheikh I can't remember who had given him these really expensive chocolates. They had like the gold flakes in them and had given him two boxes of these chocolates. And so he comes out, he, he comes back um, to the office and he goes around the office and like one by one literally hands out these chocolates that he had been given by Sheikh whoever to um, each person in the office. And when he gave me mine, I didn't eat mine immediately and so he kept going around giving them uh, out to people. And then he comes back to me. He's like, you didn't eat yours. You put yours on the side. Why? And I was like, oh, well, I wanted to share it with my boyfriend, Mr. Gray, when we had just met. Um, I was like, oh, well, I wanted to share it with my boyfriend. So I didn't want to eat it immediately. And he was like, oh, my gosh, that's so sweet. And he went and the second box that he was keeping for himself, he opened that one so I could have more. He's like, oh, that's nice. You're the only one who wanted to share it. That's kind of how that that's him you know he was thoughtful he remembered everyone's name he was interested in everyone's story um he saw me like walking in the dark and it was like almost gonna rain it was a little bit drizzly um and gave me a lift like to wherever it was I was going like he was 
he was personable as a boss, as a person. He was friendly. He was funny. He was personable. Like it wasn't any of, you know, to see him make fun of his opponent on stage who had just had a, sorry, this is American politics. But mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. his opponent who won um, had just had a stroke. And so was having some word finding difficulties was having like, he had some deficits following the stroke. And he is on a debate stage, part of his deficits where he had difficulty with reading the prompter and understanding like when someone was speaking to him. And he, as someone who has just had a stroke and has come back from it fighting on stage with a physician who knows what this is and he's making fun of him. It just doesn't gel with the person who I met. Yeah. So I I don't know which was the product, you know, was it who I met? back then was the product or this is the product now and who's real i don't know but i i really honestly can say i don't know it's completely different i completely disagree with everything that he stands for i can say that very easily but i really liked the man that i worked for yeah i I can definitely see that being the case and you know in this situation actually i'm not surprised just based on it just seems like a play for some reason and he's willing to do that kind of stuff in that arena again like you said he really could just go off stage and be like oh, i'm sorry about that i just have to do it that kind of thing sounds like that's the kind of thing because again it just seems like he knows his position and needs to get certain messages out whether or not he should be in the side of getting that message out is another situation where i guess you could put blame on him but just from the show and just being able to just take stuff and say it. Obviously that's, that's a little bit different because he could have done his research, but it just seems like the same type of thing. It's just, I'm on this side. This is the agenda we're trying to pull. This is how we're all behaving on this side. I'm just going to continue perpetuating that behavior. And just seems weird that he's, he's doing that, but okay. He lost, unfortunately. Fortunately, um, so <laughs> yeah, it doesn't with, with matter. Politics, it's it's you you kind of have to compromise yourself to to get into that, um, and that's a good perspective because you know, without knowing him, a lot of people will be like, "Fuck this asshole," and this, that, that, and whatever, and like that might be appropriate, but also, like to your point, you know another side that like you know that maybe there's a lot of pressure or something. I don't know, whatever. Um, Maybe that's all how he always was, but you know, it's like, can someone be a nice person but still have messed up political views? Like, it's we're in a weird space right now where I think it's it's a bit difficult to um sort of determine and to split separate the two. But in this interest of time, you mentioned someone very important, um, in that little thing about Dr. Oz, um, and that is your forever boyfriend now. Um, you know, husband. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, we're gonna give him Chivasi title in in Edo because we saw his little shimmy, you know, his little shimmy shake at the, at, at you guys' uh, wedding. Um, this is uh, Mr. Gray himself, uh, your husband. Tell us about Eden. Tell us, like, just just give us give us give us the story. How you met? Tell us about him. Gush over him. This this we, we allow this here. <laughs> Um, okay, so Eden, uh, you can probably hear in my voice, I, I don't 
ever get to speak about Eden without laughing, without smiling, without just this. I mean, it's shameful just fit of giggles. I don't even I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> um so Eden Gray, uh, my husband, um, who we actually got married in 2020 officially, um, but we had uh, just our mini wedding. And then we just recently had our um, traditional and our uh, church wedding as well. Um, So I met Eden in 2015. Um, We met on Tinder. Um, He was... I went on Tinder when I was in the city because I was like, you know what? I am single in New York City and I've heard that dating is a very fun way to get to explore the city because I was like, well, you know, I have my work friends, but I don't really get to see them outside of work. And on a Saturday night, I'm in watching Netflix. Like, this is not the way. Um, So I got on Tinder. First person I met was a psycho. um, And so I almost swore off of Tinder. And then a friend convinced me to go back, thankfully. And the morning after the friend convinced me to go back I wake up to a match with someone called Eden and my very first thought was what the hell kind of stripper ass name is that but (laughs) but I was like fine Um, I open up his pictures and I was like I am being catfished like this is not real um you guys have like every so often like I'll post a picture of Eden or something like that um but let me just the boy is fine I mean just beautiful um and so those are what his pictures were on tinder and i was like nah this isn't real and then he starts talking to me and he's very normal very sweet i asked him to send me like a picture a very specific i was like it needs to be a picture with your left thumb up and needs to be in the mirror and blah 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 just so i knew it wasn't being catfished and he sends i was like oh my gosh you're you actually you're real you exist um and so we met he worked at a bar that I had been to a few times um but I'd just never seen him at that bar uh so we met and it was like I can literally remember exactly how he looked what he looked like the first time that I laid eyes on him um and the first things you know that he said to me all of that um and it just felt like a fairy tale it really did um I was the first person that he'd ever met um on tinder so it worked out very nicely. We weren't like, you know, endlessly searching. Um, wow. It yeah. was meant to be. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the only um, thing left for her to say now is love at first sight. I'm just waiting for it to come. To, I'm waiting for, for those words. <laughs> honestly, honestly, no, it was definitely infatuation at first sight, like fully. Um, there was something he did. I, I won't mention. There was something he did the first day we met. And I literally texted Femi. I was like, I'm marrying this man. I don't know what to tell you. I'm just, I have to marry him. Like there's no, there's no bones about it anymore. It's done. Um, And literally a week. So we met on the 24th of October. um, And a week later, Halloween, I remember we were, we had gone to Smorgasburg in New York city, the little like food festival thing. Um, And then it got really, really cold and we didn't want to like walk around there anymore. So we found this little coffee shop in Brooklyn. It was called Sweet Leaf. It's closed now. Sorry, I talk too much. Um, I'm giving excess detail. But uh, we went to this uh, little coffee shop and we sat in the window of this coffee shop. We both sat in like this armchair, both had our like little hot chocolates. I was literally, I was sitting on his lap, you know, sipping our hot chocolates and we're watching these little kids go by in their um, Halloween costumes. And I remember that as the moment where I was like, I think I am falling in love with this man. Um, A week later. Shortly after that, as I do, because of course I make the dry jokes. Um, so his last name is Gray. 
And I remember once walking home, he was walking me home um, after, you know, a couple glasses of wine. So I was definitely like talking and I was like, oh my gosh, Eden, you know how like biracial kids sometimes they're like, oh, I don't know. Like, am I white? Am I black? And I was like, well, when you and I have children, a couple weeks ago, oh my when gosh. you and I have children and they ask me, I'm going to be like, no, sweetie, you're gray. <laughs> <laughs> no, you did not. Oh my god. I so did. Look, you should judge him. He married me after me saying that two weeks in. Like he married me. Um Yeah. But anyway, so Eden. Eden is um he's a very sweet, very caring, very generous, um does things without being asked without even thinking that it's a thing that he's doing, you know, this thing the whole time that we've been talking, he's been moving. Like I keep looking up because he has been moving. He has moved two beds. He has moved dressers. He has moved dining tables. Like I've been watching him just go by. He's been moving everything and all by himself while I'm sitting here chatting with my friends. And he's just like, okay, I'm going to go out and get us pizza. It's, it's 11. And he's like, okay, I'm going to go out and get us pizza. Cause we haven't eaten. I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, He's just very, very sweet. I think his love language is probably acts of service and just feeding people, um, which works well because he's a brewer. Um, so he makes beer for a living uh, and makes delicious beer. He made the beer for our wedding, which is great. Um, nice. Yeah, he is. He comes. He's from New Hampshire, comes from a wonderful, very warm, very loving family um, who I don't know how I got so lucky to have that family. Um, but they're just they are a blessing, truly. Um, and I, I still get butterflies when, <laughs> when he, when he calls me pretty girl, um, uh, or when he gives me a kiss on the forehead, guys don't really realize that power of the kiss on the forehead, or maybe you do, but yeah, we do. Yeah, we yeah, do. I, <laughs> um, yeah. but I get butterflies. Um, yeah, he's, he is something that I never knew I was looking for or praying for, but I could never, I could not have dreamed him up. I honestly couldn't, I couldn't have dreamed him up. My imagination is not even that good. I couldn't have dreamed up the life that we have together. I couldn't have dreamed up the peace, the joy, the adventures that just occur naturally with us. Um, yeah, I'm very, very lucky. Um, so do you want us to like clip out this part and then send it to you so that like he can hear it and play it on like his alarm clock? I was about to say, I wish he was there to like show up in the back and be like, "Yeah, this is me yeah. right here." No, he like, he, if he heard me say that, he'd be like, "No," and just like walk away. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, that being said, like I share the stories of how I stress this man out because I enjoy to stress him out. Like I feel like I like to test the boundaries. I like to stress him. So um, yeah, I don't know. He, I don't. I don't know why he's still here. <laughs> I honestly don't. I, I want to ask you something. Based, based on either the stresses or the kookiness, let me say. Um, like you said, like, you know, you've made that very dry joke and he's still here, so respect to him. But was there was there a point, because, I mean, honestly, now that I've met, like, a lot of different people in this world, you're not you're not weird to me. That That's just, like, we can have fun and say it, whatever, but, like, I don't find you particularly weird. Like, you've got your lane, is, 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 is how I put it. But, like, you might think of yourself that way, at least to some degree. Was there a point where you thought, except for that joke, because anyone can make those jokes, that you're like, man, he's still, like, I literally did this, like, 
I don't know, did you inject a frog in front of him? And then he was like, no, that's cool. And you're like, yep, that's it. <laughs> like, did, did anything crazy like that happen? Um, no. So the things that happen, and this is really on a day to day. And I think (laughs) there was something that happened the other day. So I would never describe myself as type A. And if when my friends listen to this podcast, and they hear that part, they're all going to burst out laughing because they all consider me type A, which is weird, because I know type A people, and I'm definitely not one. But that's apparently what type A people say. Anyway, so he considers me type A, um, considers me uh, to enjoy a certain degree of control, um, and order. And, uh, it gives him endless joy to also stress me out by disordering things. And so there are times, you know, the other day he put a sheaf of papers, um, on the table and it was just like a, it was like five or six papers that we're going to then pick up and like sign and scan and send off. But he put them down on the table and without breaking eye contact, I reached down, rearranged them and like arranged them on the table. So they were at right angles to the angle of the table and kept talking. And he just looks at me, smiles and then bursts out laughing. I was like, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Like, let me be. Um, and so those are more the things I still have like, like, you know, some kooky things, but those are more the things that I'm just like, how are you still with me? Despite the fact that like, even just today, we're moving things into the apartment and into our house. And like, something didn't make sense the way that I wanted it. But I was like, you know, what's going to drive me crazy. I will not sleep if this is not centered on the room in this exact way. He's like, but I was like, I know, I know, but you know, I'm just going to go crazy. And he's like, okay, fine. You sit and tell me exactly where it needs to be moved to. And he just kind of goes along with it, which is really nice. On the other hand, he will purposely put something the wrong way and just watch me try to control myself before it goes, like he was arranging groceries once and the Nutella is going beside the bread, which is going beside the popcorn, which is going beside the, just everything is going everywhere. And I was watching him for so long. And after a while, the only thing it like burst out of me, I didn't even know how to stop it. I was like, who do you think you live with? And that was the only reaction I could have. Um, So he stresses me out too for fun like he definitely does it for fun and he's like the way he puts it he's like you have to allow me my little savageries and it's good for you this is therapy that's how he puts it um balance balance Balance. exactly i'm just like oh my god migraines um but yeah that's good the only time that he's like i worry about you sometimes is um i like numbers i like doing things with numbers when i'm bored i play around with them and um in the in traffic, like when I'm driving, um, the number plates of cars that are in front of me or that are going by or whatever, I play around with the numbers. Like I like to divide them, multiply them, find patterns and rearrange them, all those kind of things. And he finds that very strange for some reason. Um, and he frequently says, he's like, I feel like I'm going to wake up and you're like trying to figure out how to wear me like a coat. And I'm like, wait, but it's just numbers. (laughs) Like chill. It's not that deep. He probably remembered your stories about the frogs and he's scared silently that it's going to happen to him. Yeah, so um, so no, he doesn't, uh, I, I don't know, I hope he doesn't regret his choices, but he seems happy. He's still here. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't. I'm sure he doesn't. You guys seem to, to be two peas in the pod. I mean, obviously, balance each other. There's things that bounce off, but definitely looks like there's Definite understanding and chemistry there for sure. Since the beginning, since you we've ever seen him on your Instagram or whatever, just it's you can tell, and obviously it's even more reinforced now that you're speaking about him. So 
that's that's nice. That's that's very nice. It's good to see. You know, it's good to. It's, this doesn't happen often, like you said. It's rare. It doesn't always happen, and it was just faded. And yeah, it's it works. So cherish it. I mean, I know you do already. So um, that's that's nice to see. Very nice to see. Yep. Yep. And and uh, I think that's a, a a good point for us to sadly have to end today um also because if i if i am down here for another couple of minutes my wife's gonna be like come on man you've got two kids what are you doing like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh i'm a gray dr i'm a gray thank you yeah. for emmy sorry sorry back up emmy award winner Doctor Ima Gray, thank you for, <laughs> for, for joining us. And like, you know, this was this was just fun. This was really really fun. fun. Um, Very fun. You know, like, thank I hope I that. hope that we get to do this again sometime yeah. and talk more shit and just 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 have a good time. So appreciate it. Thank Definitely. you guys so much for having Definitely. me. Thank you for it was just really nice to catch up with you two. And like I said, I'm yes. so sorry I talk way too much. Um, I before I'm ever asked to give any speeches, I always preface by I talk too much, so I'm literally going to read because I will just go on. Um, but thank you for having me on. This was so much fun. It's a pleasure. We we enjoy that. It helps the whole thing flow better. Honestly, just you know, we can listen to you and say, oh yeah, we want to talk about that and pick stuff out. So. Don't worry about it. Uh, it. It helps us. But we really enjoyed it. Hopefully next time we can have Eden with us and just try to poke both of you together at the same time and see how that works. Uh, but yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Um, next time I'm in New York, I don't know if you'll be downstate at any point, but I'll let you know. Uh, I lived there for a while. I didn't even know you were that close, to be honest with you. Um, so we could have hung several times, but Okay, we'll try to correct that in the future. Um, but yeah, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Um, our regards to him. You know, just greet him for us. Tell him sorry for keeping you from helping you move. Uh, I know he needs the help. Uh, but yeah, thank you, everyone. I hope you guys enjoyed the, the pod this week. And yeah, we'll be back soon again. I know we keep saying it, but life is just killing us so we try to find time to do it but we'll be as as frequent as we can be but yeah bernie thank you yes sir thank you my man thank you Ima. thank you both so much good night my love to your wives and your children and um i really do look forward to getting to meet your family sometime soon you both have such beautiful families thank you oh yeah goals shop with bernie and chimney if you like what you heard make sure you subscribe to the pod on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you get your podcasts you want to talk to us find bernie at bj21 on twitter and chimney at comms 88 take care